Mr. Tigwell, otherwise known as Tiggy, was our English teacher at Wigiston Boys Grammar School. This was in the days before the flood. He was of an uncertain temper, but the boys usually knew how to stir him up and rag him. And one day he was out front teaching, and some boys were asking stupid questions, and other boys were messing about at the back, and all of a sudden Tiggy reared up and said, Will you boys be quiet whenever I open my mouth, a fool speaks? And the class collapsed in laughter, if you can see. <laughs> A funny point. Anyway, the reading contains a fool, and I'm sure Adam will be preaching about the fool in the story of the two houses and the builders. So I'll leave him to explain what it really means. But you must ask yourself, which one am I? Right. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man, who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Let me just extend my welcome. Um, if you are new here, so am I. Come and say hello to me afterwards. It'd be great to have a chat. Um, let me pray for us as we come to this passage. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey from the comb, more precious than gold, much pure gold. Open our eyes. We pray, Father, this morning to the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Please give us confidence to build our lives on him. In his, in his name we pray. Amen. I'd be really encouraged if you'd keep Matthew 7 open at page uh, 972. It'd be a tremendous help to me if you would follow along. Um, let me start with this. On the 29th of May 2010 in Guatemala City, there stood a three-story factory, brilliant factory, producing all kinds of stuff. And if any building inspector were to go into the factory and look at the building, they'd say, yeah, this is a solid structure. It's going to last. But tick followed tock, and the very next day, the 30th of May 2010, that building was sucked into the ground. A sinkhole opened up the size of 30 metres... Uh, 30 metres across, about the size of a, uh, uh, an average swimming pool, and it was 300 foot deep. 
uh, this kind of hole that sucked this building straight down in. It was a serious disaster, killed a number of people. And the problem, it wasn't the building itself, but it was the foundation that the building stood on. You see, the factory was built on volcanic pumice stone. Now, I'm sure some of you ladies are quite familiar with pumice stone. It's got quite rough edges, and it's used to kind of scrape off dead skin off the bottom of people's feet. Um, but the problem with pumice stone is that it absorbs moisture. It, it retains water. And this is what happened to that factory. Um, after so much moisture had been collected in this stone, the pressure from the top squashed it, and the building just fell flat. It completely crumbled. Now, why do I start with that? Well, I'll start there because the Bible says that we're all builders. You and I, we're builders. And we're all building our lives on something. But the question is, what's the foundation that your life is based on? And is it a good foundation? The Bible says we're either wise or foolish, depending on what we do with Jesus' words. So there's only two types of people in this world. There's the wise and the fool. There's the wise builder and there's the foolish builder. And the contrast couldn't be more stark. Look down with me at verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's the first kind of builder. He hears Jesus' words and he does what they say. The second is in verse 26. Now this person is the person who hears God's word and doesn't do what it says, and they're called the fool. The wise builders, the man who dug down deep, found secure footings and constructed his house uh, on the rock, verse 24. And throughout the Bible, God is the one who's called our rock. I'm not going to uh, go through a number of passages, but uh, back in Deuteronomy, through the Psalms, even into the New Testament, God is called our rock. Uh, the psalmist says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my rock in whom I take refuge. Do come and speak to me afterwards if you want some references uh, for that. But the point is that God is the only solid foundation to base your life upon. Nothing else will do. Only he alone uh, is the one to build our life on. And he will never let us down because God doesn't change and God doesn't lie. And the foolish builders are the one, well, they're the people who can't be bothered with foundations. And they're just going to build their house on the sand, verse 26. And as both builders get on with their tasks, the casual observer, well, they wouldn't notice the difference. Both builders have worked hard constructing their property, but the difference is they lay hidden underneath the building. You can't see it. So dare I be, to be, be so bold as to say that in this building, there are different kinds of builders with different kinds of foundations, uh, and we've got wise and foolish builders here this morning, and we need to work out which one we are. And the passage asks the question of us, what do you and I do with Jesus' teaching? What do you and I do with Jesus' words, and how are we hearing them? Are we like the wise builder in verse 24, who hears the words of Jesus and obeys them and puts them into practice? Or are we like the fool, the one who hears Jesus' word, but they fall on deaf ears. They make no impression at all in our lives. Well, I think back over my story, my life. Um, 
growing up. My parents took us to church, um, and I went to church on and off uh, as a kid. Um, and um, I can't really put a finger on a point where uh, I became a Christian. God worked through his word, through various people and life circumstances and uh, things uh, in my life. But um, when my parents took us to church when I was a kid, I remember hearing at various times that Jesus was the saviour, uh, that Jesus dies to save us from sin, and uh, God is brilliant and wonderful things. But I hadn't connected that I needed to be saved, uh, that, that, that I needed uh, help from Jesus. I was happy to hear that God loved the world, and that means that God loves me. Um, and, um, but I was pretty clueless. I don't really remember being gripped by what was taught. I was more interested in the girls that were there at Sunday school and the, uh, the, the chocolate and toffee Momo lollipops they'd give out if you attempted to answer a question, which I often did. Got a lollipop and then kind of stopped. Um, but at the age of about 13, my parents, they stopped going to church. And I stopped going to church too. Um, and um, it, was, it was at that point, really, that myself and my two brothers, we got sucked into the world and the culture that the world had to offer. And um, the weekends on the Isle of Wight, when I was growing up, were quite lively, quite kicking, and there were lots of parties to go to, which we did, and lots of things to occupy our time. And I didn't really think about God, I didn't think about Jesus, I didn't read the Bible. I was too busy doing what I wanted to do, living for the weekend and having fun. Um, and I was satisfying myself with everything but uh, Jesus and God's Word. And as I look back now, I can see two things that I was doing. One, I was, I was disbelieving the truth about who God is. I was disbelieving the truth about who God is, uh, who he is, what he's done. And secondly, I was believing lies about God instead. I'd heard something about Jesus, but I was squashing the truth about God. I was pretending that Jesus wasn't really God. Uh, and I was seeking to build my identity, building my life, and doing what I wanted uh, my way. I was living how I wanted to live, uh, making the rules up as I went along. I didn't want God to be on his throne. I was quite happy to push him off the throne and sit there myself. And that's what the Bible calls sin. It's saying, shove off God. I'm the boss. No to you. No to your rules. And I lived out what um, Turretin called false faith. I had false faith in God. I denied that God was good, loving, and true and I believe the lie uh, instead. Look at verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, that certainly wasn't true for me. I wasn't building my life on Jesus. I built my life and found my identity on everything but him. Sin's described in many ways in the Bible. Rebellion. Um, it's, uh, it's described as pride, missing the mark. But it's also described as idolatry. Uh, and um, idolatry is really building our identity, finding our value and worth uh, in other things but God. An idol is a counterfeit God. A counterfeit might look similar. So sand might look quite similar to a rock. It's got similar properties. It might even be strong enough to build a building on. But it's not a rock. Uh, it's sand. It's a counterfeit. And building our identity on anything besides the rock, well, ultimately it's going to fail. Christopher White, a theologian, said, ultimately, we pay the cost of putting ultimate trust in what can never deliver 
ultimate security. Ultimately, it seems, we never learn that false gods never fail to fail. That's the only thing about a false god you can depend on. There's a a late postmodern novelist by the name of uh, David Foster Wallace, and he gave a speech at Kenyon College, and he argued that everyone worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. So anything can be an idol, anything can crave our attention, anything can crave our worship. Um, I guess the obvious idols are things like money, sex and power. For some of us, it might be the drive for approval, a bit like what I was saying when Mike asked me what I'm I'm fearing. I mean, that could be an idol that I could turn to. Um, The recognition from others that you're significant or that other people depend on you or people need you, that can become a problem. We need to consider what gives our life meaning and value. For others, it could be building a certain quality of life that you want, working really hard to get that, and then you'll be happy, then you'll have meaning and value and worth. For others, it could be comfort, security, beauty, your good looks. Um, It could be the shape of your body, the speed of your car, and idol really can be anything. So the question that we need to ask is, what are you building our life on? What is the thing that I most highly value? What's the thing that, if it were taken away, well, then my life would crumble? Notice what happens to both builders. Look at verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Both builders experience the storm. The storm hits both buildings. And the wise man, the one who hears Jesus' word and lives it out, well, he's got nothing to fear. He's going to be battered, um, but he's got nothing to fear. His building's going to stay standing after the storm. He's going to survive because he's got a solid foundation. But the one who hears Jesus' word and doesn't do what he says, well, well, the building couldn't be more vulnerable in verse 27. The rain came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Is what you're building your life on capable of standing after the storm? Is your foundation hard enough to cope? Well, if you're building your identity on a relationship, what happens if that relationship breaks down or the relationship ends? If you're building your life on good looks and beauty, the clock's going to keep ticking on uh, and they're going to fade. They won't last either. If you lose your health or your bank account takes a nosedive, when you fail to get recognition and praise, if those things are what we're building our life on, then we're crushed when we lose them. But if I'm building my life on the rock, well, then that doesn't change. If that's captured my affections, if I've seen the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I've beheld his beauty like what Jip was talking about last Sunday, then I couldn't be more protected. Life couldn't be more secure. No matter how hard the storm hits in this life, and for some it may hit pretty hard, the storm of the day of judgment, that's what's going to test our true foundation. And the good news of the Bible is that Jesus, he left heaven. Did you hear that in our first reading? 
he left heaven. He was above all, and he became a man. He came to the earth, and he went into the storm for us, and he faced the storm so that you and I don't have to. He went out, and he took the full force of that storm in our place for our sin. He was crushed so that you and I wouldn't be. But the story didn't end there because Jesus rose again from death, proving that he's the victor. He's the one who can stand after uh, any kind of storm. He died and rose again, defeating Satan and sin and death. Um, And he's the one who opened the door. And the promise of the Bible is that if you have Jesus in your life, if you're building on him, then life couldn't be more secure for you. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. Uh, You're building on solid ground. So there's only two types of people in this world. There's the wise and there's the fool. So we're either accepting the truth about Jesus or we're squashing the truth about Jesus and believing a lie uh, instead. That verse in John chapter 3, verse 36, was really helpful to me when I first became a Christian. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. That was really helpful for me to understand what Jesus has done. He's taken the wrath for us. He's taken the punishment that should have fallen on me. And God continued to pursue me after saying, no, I don't want to go your way. Um, Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're counting the cost for yourself to see whether or not Jesus is worth pursuing, whether Jesus is really a strong foundation to build your life on. Well, please come and speak to one of the leaders here. Speak to Michael Jitt, myself, or uh, someone who, who you've come with this morning. We'd really love to talk to you more uh, about Jesus. Um, perhaps you're here and you're considering knocking down the house that you've constructed for yourself already. It can be a hard and a painful thing to do, But no, there's a whole church family here that are willing to support and pray for you and come alongside you. Uh, And I'm I'm really grateful to be part uh, of that. But for the Christian here this morning, for the Christian who's building their life on Jesus, what an awesome reminder that Jesus has gone out into the storm for us. He's taken the punishment that was rightly ours so that we might never have to. Life couldn't be more secure for you. In 1 Peter, um, he says uh, in chapter 1, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine and result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning and myself. Pray that we would um, hear Jesus' word and put it into practice. Please help us to be builders who are building on the rock, the solid and sure foundation that will not change. Give us confidence as we wait for Jesus' return. In his name we pray. Amen.
As we continue to reflect on that message, a prayer that will help us think about the state of our hearts.